0: Three Strands is growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Jesus. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, visit us at threestrands.church. We're glad you're here this morning. If you're just joining us, we're in week three of our series, "Talking Funny, okay? And uh, this has been enjoyable for me just to look at some of these scriptures, and hopefully it has been for you too. Um, But today's phrase, I don't know if you heard this one or not, today's phrase is, matter than a wet hen. And the meaning behind the phrase is simply that when a farmer goes in to remove the eggs from a hen's roost, if the hen refuses to get up, the farmer can then take some water and just splash the hen, making her angry. But she'll get up and then the farmer can get the eggs. And so she's mad at you for taking her eggs, but she's also ticked off because she's now soaking wet. And so to give you just a little bit of context on the phrase, as it relates to eggs and, and being mad, uh, let me take you back to when I was about 10 years old, and I learned how to make a banana milkshake. Anybody like banana milkshakes? Oh, they're, they're heavenly. And um, I had just finished making one, and I was cleaning up my mess there in the kitchen uh, when my older sister, Charlotte she's four years older than me, so she would have been 14 at the time uh, she walks by. And she says, will you make me one? Because it was it was good. She could tell, but by looking at it, it was good. And she she nicknamed me when I was a kid, Brat. That was my nickname she gave me. just called me Brad all the time. And I don't know why she nicknamed me that, but I responded to her, no, go make it yourself. That's what I told her. That, maybe that's why she gave me the nickname. But um, But anyway, I was putting the milk back in the fridge. And as I was doing that, I saw some things in the refrigerator that... I just thought, man, that would be cool if if we just blend that up and see what happened. You know, just kind of looked at it afterwards. And so when I did that, I noticed a few things in there that I thought I would like to blend up. The first thing I saw was an egg. And so I took out a couple of eggs, and I put them in the blender, and I hit the button just to see what would happen. And it blended up, and I just let them go for a minute or so. And I took it out, poured it in a glass, and guess what? Lo and behold, it looked identical to that banana milkshake that I had just made. It was incredible. I thought, That's, that looks the same, you know. And so some of you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah. And so anyway, what I did was I had an idea. And I went and I knocked on my sister's door with egg-shaking hand. And I had my head, <laughs> I still love this. I had my head bowed down in shame, trying to portray that I felt bad for not making her a milkshake. And when she opened the door, she slammed it in my face and said, I don't want one now. And I, in my best sad voice, I, you know, I kind of bowed my head and said, but I made it for you, right? So guess what she did? She got convicted. Yeah, she opened up the door, felt bad took it, it was only a glass of like that, it's two eggs blended up, and she (laughs) takes that thing and downs it, okay, in about three or four seconds, she chugged that thing, and as soon as she took that last gulp, I pointed at her and go, it's an egg, you know, and uh, then I took off running, because that's what I always do, because I was a coward, and plus she was four years older than me, but she was madder than a wet hen. Okay, she chased me around the house, finally caught me, proceeded just to pound my face with her fist, um, but it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. She, uh, she's a lot healthier now because of a lot more protein in her diet now because of, of that. So, but anyway, shell and all, she just drank it. it was, it's good stuff. Anyway, as we read through the four Gospels, it seems as if Jesus realized that most people have been wounded in life. That, that most people have had something said to them or done to them, and they're walking around angry and soaking wet. And so in the sermon that we're going to look at today, Jesus not only offers us some practical wisdom on how to cool off, but also how to dry off. And he says it this way in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21, when he said this. He says, you've heard that um, our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, raising the bar here, if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in the danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. And so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, just leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go. And be reconciled to that person. Then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. The writers of the New Testament chose two unique words to describe anger. And one of them is that it means that small spark that only takes just a little bit of hay or a little bit of straw. And it burns quickly and then it dies out. This is the stuff that irritates us. The stuff that aggravates us. It's just kind of the little things that just get all over our nerves kind of like being stuck in traffic in a city or being at a sporting event and and the ref makes a bad call against your team. It's not the end of the world. It's just the small stuff that gets under our feathers, kind of ruffles them up a little bit, and then we just move on. But the other Greek word is a completely different level of anger. This is the big stuff that simmers and it stews and it eventually just boils over and it spills out of us. It's when someone cheats on us, when someone lies to us or is cruel to us. And we want to just go tell everyone that we know how awful of a person that they are. Well, guys, that's the kind of anger that Jesus is warning us about in this sermon in Matthew 5. And he specifically says that if we are not careful, this kind of anger can lead us down a dangerous, dangerous path. And, and the dangerous path with this kind of anger is that it begins with just getting hurt. We, we feel some emotional pain, but over time, if left undealt with, it can very easily turn into hate. That hurt can turn into hate. Someone owes you an apology. Someone owes you an explanation. So someone owes you a childhood. Someone owes you a marriage, and you're waiting. But the truth is, they've already moved on. That They're not thinking about you. And here you are left holding the broken pieces of your heart. And if you're honest, many nights you lay there and you just think about what you would do or what you would say if you ran in to that person. And it kind of reminds me of the lyrics of that uh, country song, What I'd Say, written by that great theologian, Earl Thomas Conley, Okay. He's a country music singer, but this song said this. I hold these conversations in the silence of my room, rehearsing all the things I'd say should I run into you. How's it going might be what I'd say. You broke my heart, you know, or it looks like rain today. Or maybe God, I missed you since you went away. You're looking well or go to heaven might be what I'd say. I Might have misquoted a word there in that song, but it's something like that. Okay. There was a classified ad in the newspaper that read, Wedding dress for sale, never worn. We'll trade for a double barrel shotgun. Okay. Now, someone obviously hurt this woman and she wanted to pay him back. She wanted to retaliate. And the truth is, you and I, we've all been there, haven't we? You know, we buy into the lie that says we'll get over it when we get even. And so we think, if I, if I could just give them a piece of my mind, right? I mean, if I could, I could just punch them in the face, if I could just sue them for all their worth, then I would get over it once I get even. But you won't. You won't. You remember in the movie Forrest Gump when Forrest and Jenny go for a walk and they come upon her childhood home, remember that part? Sadly, in this home, she experienced abuse at the hands of an alcoholic father. Abuse that would negatively impact every relationship she had with men for the rest of her life. And I want to show you how she reacted in that moment. Take a look. Sometimes, I guess there just aren't enough rocks. There's a lot of truth in that. You know, there's not. No matter how angry that you and I get, Sometimes there simply just aren't enough rocks in the world. And Jesus recognized that. Whether it's an old wound or a new one, Jesus said if we would just release that hurt to him and we would surround ourselves with the right kind of people who will will coach us, then eventually over time that hurt that we experience can turn into healing. Guys, listen. Jesus never wants hatred to grow in any of his kids' hearts. He doesn't want that for you. So he consistently says in his teachings that we have to choose a path, a path that we want to take. We can choose the path of bitterness or we can choose the path of forgiveness. And the truth is that all of us have taken steps down both paths, haven't we, at times. But you know, bitterness, just, it just leads to hatred, where forgiveness can lead to healing. But I get it. Forgiveness is tough stuff. I mean, it just is. I think forgiving someone who's wronged us along with like loving our enemies and dying to ourselves is one of the most difficult things that God will ever ask us to do. But listen, we have to remember, it wasn't easy for God to forgive us. I mean, it cost Jesus his life. And so every time we forgive someone, we need to remember that it's going to cost us something. But listen, not forgiving will cost us far, far more. So the question becomes then, how? How do we forgive? And this is where many churches, I think, have dropped the ball over the years in failing to teach about the subject of forgiveness. You know, psychologists refer to anger as our second emotion. It's usually not the first thing that we feel when someone does something to hurt us. But what we jump to anger because it's easily to, rec- easily to recognize in the human heart. It, it's kind of like a flame, you know, that we light up. Anger just starts to burn in our hearts. And we get upset and it just burns within us. But then we, we come to church or we read our Bible concerning what God says about forgiveness. And we get humbled and we get convicted and we pray, God, please. I don't want to be that person. God, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be resentful. I don't want to hold grudges in my life, God. Will you just please help me forgive them? So you know what God does? God says, yeah, I'll help you. And he blows it out. But then we get on social media. And we read something that somebody says about that person who wronged us that it was good, speaking positively about them. And that just kind of rubs us the wrong way. And so we go tell our friends, do you, do you know what they did to me? And we stir it all back up, and we light the fuse again. Then we come back to church, and we sing songs about grace, and we remember how much that God has forgiven us. And so we go back to God and we say, God, please, I don't want to drag this around with me for the rest of my life. Will you you help me forgive him? You know what he does? He says, yeah, I'll I'll help you. But we have a memory. And that memory makes it tough to forget sometimes, doesn't it? And so the question is, what do we do with that pain? What do we do with it? You know, God gives us some options in the Bible, but we need to understand not just how anger works, but also how forgiveness works. Because the truth is, guys, that forgiveness is like taking out the trash. You don't just do it once, say, I forgive you, and it's in the past. That's not the way the human heart works. It's a daily, it's a weekly A monthly, sometimes it's a yearly experience where we take that pain to God. We ask him to take it and bring some distance between us and that hurt. Sometimes you got to do it every day. You know, for some of you, it may have been a family member who hurt you. They, They were responsible for protecting you and they did an awful job at it. And so now as an adult, you're carrying around that residual effect. You know what maybe you should do? Maybe you should write it down, seriously. You should just write it down, what they did to you, how it made you feel, and what it's taken from you. And then after you write it down, wad it up and throw it in the trash. And just ask God to symbolically take it from you. God, I'm throwing it away, right? Maybe it was a friend who stabbed you in the back. Or maybe they turn their their back on you. Follow that same process as many times as you need to do it. And realize that, listen, forgiving someone doesn't mean that you're saying what they did was okay. In fact, it's saying the opposite. We're saying that what they did was not okay. But listen, forgiveness means uh, that we're just simply not going to retaliate. That we're giving up our right to get even. I'm not going to pay you back. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. It doesn't even mean you have to have a relationship with them. But it does mean I'm giving up my right to retaliate and get even. not going to pay you back. And can we just be honest this morning and talk about the church? You know, the church has wounded a lot of people. And I'm not saying necessarily that this church has wounded a lot of people, even though I'm sure we've hurt people at times. But Jesus said that sometimes Christians... Will come to you dressed in sheep's clothing, but on the inside they are ferocious wolves. You know, some of the meanest people in the world claim to be Christians. So so maybe you need to write that down what they did to you, how it made you feel, what, what they took from you, and throw it in the trash and give it to God. Look at Romans 12, verse 17. It says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to what? The righteous anger of God. There is a righteous anger. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I, I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Now guys, I, I, listen, I know it's easier said than done because our flesh wants to get even, doesn't it? You know, one of the things that we can do to help us in this area is to learn from those who have had to forgive some monumental things in their life. People like Pope John Paul II. You know, on May 13, 1981, in St. Peter's Square in Vatican City, Pope John Paul II was shot and wounded by Mehmet Ali Adka while he was entering into the square. And the Pope was struck four times, and he suffered severe blood loss and acca was apprehended immediately and he was later sentenced to life in prison by an italian court the pope had to go through multiple surgeries and rehab but later he requested a meeting with this young man and we have a picture of the meeting there it is and in that meeting he said to him i love you i forgive you i want what's best for you and eventually this guy became a christian well, that meeting ended up on the cover of Time magazine here, and where the headline read, Why forgive? Why forgive? And the Pope gave a great answer when he said this. He said, It's better to forgive than to be bitter. It's better to forgive than to be bitter. Well, this, man, uh, this young man's name is named Tagunda Mavima. Okay. And a few years ago, he graduated from high school. He went to a party. He decided to get drunk and decided to get behind the wheel of a car and taking the lives of a 15 and a 17 year old. And at his sentencing, he was sentenced to three years in prison. The dad of the 17 year old who died asked the judge in the courtroom if he could give this young man a hug. And the judge granted the request. And here's a picture of that exchange, that encounter. And you know, when he hugged him, when he hugged him, he said to him, we all make mistakes. And even though your mistake cost my son his life, I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. Here's a dad who decided that he wanted to walk out of that courtroom with less anger than what he walked into it with. A dad who understands 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love keeps no record of wrongs. A dad who understands that forgiveness, as tough as it is, is a better path than harboring hatred in your heart. So so can we just steer this conversation in the direction of where we are as a country right now? You know, many of us are surrounded on a daily basis by a lot of angry and unforgiving people, aren't we? And you know, as Christians, we're called to be different. We are called to be set apart. You know, I was reading a commentary this week. It wasn't a great theologian, it was on Facebook, but uh, it was a post, and, and this past week this girl was getting blasted for not wearing a mask and social distancing. And to her credit, she maintained her cool and, and she explained, you know, that she has beliefs as well and isn't forcing those down her attacker's throat and would appreciate the same treatment. But but then it got ugly and it reverted to name-calling. And religion bashing, and as always happens, one person ends up eventually blocking the other. I don't know if you ever read stuff like that on social media or not, but but here's the truth: regardless of what group that you side with, the truth is that you and I, as Christians, are called to love both groups. We have to love those who wear masks and those who think they're stupid. Those who believe the vaccine will save their life, and those that believe the vaccine causes more harm than good. It's not an option for those of us who follow Jesus to treat people the way that they sometimes treat us. We have to love both. I mean, Jesus' own brother in James 1.19 said this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to To get angry. And listen, he says human anger is not gonna produce the righteous life that God desires. It's not gonna happen. So, in that one sentence, James gives us two things that you and I can do in this explosive culture in which we live. And the first one is this first thing he says is to listen carefully. Listen carefully. You know, when someone really listens to you, don't we feel loved when that happens? Someone just intently listens. Listening is one of the most, the easiest, most practical ways to show love. But it's also one of the most neglected ways that we show love. I mean, in our culture right now, think about it. Everyone is an expert on everything, aren't they? And nobody wants to listen. Everybody just wants to speak, or I would call it vent. They just want to vent, you know. And there are debates and opinions on mass and vaccines and whether even we should be gathered indoors still. Listen, there's good arguments on both sides of all of that. And everyone wants us to pick a side. I get it. But you know as well as I do that when you pick a side and agree with one group that you are going to anger the other. And some people respond with this. I don't care. I don't care if I, if I anger the other group. I don't care about them. You know, they can go to hell in a handbasket for all I care. Really? Listen to you. God has called us to care, even with those people we disagree with. Listen, the only ones you don't have to love are the ones that Jesus didn't die for. That's it. Only ones you don't have to love. We got to love everybody. Matthew 5, verses 43 and 45 says this. Jesus said, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, those people you disagree with. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, then you're going to be acting as true children of our Father in heaven. Guys, when we read God's word, we see that Jesus didn't fight with people, but for people. He didn't threaten them. He died for them. And our goal as Christians is not to make a point, but to make a difference, to make a difference. And with all the other voices that are competing for our attention, our affection, and our allegiance, guys, if we are not careful, we'll miss the voice of truth, the, the only voice that matters, the voice of our Heavenly Father. So a challenge for us this week is to be careful who we listen to, but at the same time Listen carefully, because Satan is speaking very loudly in our culture right now, isn't he? James also says in that passage to speak carefully, not just listen carefully, but to speak carefully. You know, earlier this year, there was a local pastor who felt the need to talk in a negative light about our church in a sermon. And he was insinuating, uh, telling people that, that we're telling people that they're okay when they're not okay. And then he went on to say, and I quote, He said, I researched this church this past week, reading what they were about, and it looked pretty good on the surface. But I got to this one statement that talked about how much their typical services were. And I thought, how do they know how much time their service is going to be? It ought to go as long as the Holy Spirit leads. And I read about how the service was structured and how they teach. But that's a contradiction to the Word of God, because nowhere in there do they talk about preaching. And my God said in His Word that it's by the foolishness of preaching. I knew it was us because we're only two churches in the county who have a website, first of all, okay? And, uh, and it's under our what to expect part, and it does say that our church service typically lasts about 70 minutes, features a mix of multimedia, singing, teaching, and prayer. It also says, which he neglected to mention in his sermon, that our goal is to make Jesus Christ the center of everything we do. And so just on a side note, when Jesus delivered this sermon on the Mount here, he was preaching and teaching. You know, and we just try to follow Jesus, what we're doing up here, you know. But what disappointed me with what he said is that's being divisive. The truth is we're all on the same team. Every Christian church in this county should have as its mission to seek and to save lost people because that was Jesus' mission. Whether it's Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or Anglican or Presbyterian or non-denominational church, we all want to bring people to Jesus. And my point is that simply we have to speak carefully. Our goal is not to tear down other Bible-believing churches, tear them down over matters of preference, like how long our church services last, or whether you call what I'm doing up here this morning teaching or preaching. The, The challenge for us when it comes to speaking carefully is that as Americans, we can say whatever we want. We can say it whenever we want, wherever we want. However we want. I mean, it's a fundamental right that we have protected by our laws called freedom of speech. And God's social media has given us a platform unlike any other to express that freedom, hasn't it? But listen, as Christians, not just Americans, but as Christians, we need to be careful. Because as Christians, we're not always afforded that right. As a matter of fact, Jesus says if we're going to follow him, that we can't say whatever we want, however we want, wherever we want, and whenever we want. He put parameters and boundaries on our speech, and for good reason. You know, Jesus, when you read through the Bible, always spoke the truth, and we should do the same. But how we deliver that truth matters. Jesus delivered it in love. And so the question we need to ask ourselves in the moment is this. Should I say this? What am I about to say? Should I say this? And if the Holy Spirit leads us to say it, then we should. But the very next question right after we should ask ourselves is this. Should I say it right now? Should I say it? And if so, should I say it right now? Because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And so look at Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-three. Because sometimes we should say stuff, just maybe not right then. But it says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. Pretty simple, right? But the opposite of that is just as true. And Jesus got more specific when he said in Matthew 7, verse 1, I like the way the message paraphrases these two verses. It says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit, it's got a way of boomeranging. Titus 3.9 is a little more blunt when it says, just don't get involved in foolish discussions. Man, guys, we should take that verse to heart when it comes to social media. Just don't get involved in foolish discussions. You know, there's also an acrostic that will help us with people when they're critical of us. It's just the word think. And it asks some very simple questions. The first one is this, the T. Is it true? Is it true? H. Is it helpful? The I. Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And the K. Is it kind? And if it's not these things, then maybe we shouldn't say them at all. That's something that all of us need to be reminded of. You know, I'm, I'm still learning this because sometimes my idle talk comes across as unloving at times, I know. But um, Dr. Henry Cloud, in his book Boundaries, written years ago, he talks about how we have to forgive people, but we don't necessarily need to trust them, that we don't have to have a relationship with them again. And then he goes on in his book to share a story about a man who owns a large company here in the United States. And he had several factories around the country. And he had hired his son to learn the trade and kind of rise in the ranks. And and hopefully he was going to take over for him when he eventually retired. And so his son had worked his way up and he become a manager at the supervisor level. And one day when his dad was walking through one of the factories, he he overheard his son berating an employee. And he wasn't just only berating him, he, he he was cussing him. And so quietly... He pulls his son aside, and and he asks to speak with him in the office for just a minute. And they get in there behind closed doors, and and the dad said, Son, he he said, I wear two hats in this relationship I have with you, and and it can be a little tricky at times. He he said, I'm your boss, but I'm also your dad. So as your boss today, I'm firing you. You just can't talk to people the way you talk to that guy. But I also want to put on my dad hat, and then he paused for a moment. And he said, son, I heard you lost your job today. Many of you have walked enough mileage with God to know how this works. There are days when he's going to correct us. We're going to say the wrong thing, and he's going to put the boss hat on, and rightfully so. But at the same time, he is going to put the dad hat on, and he's going to remind us that he forgives us as quickly as he corrects us. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, I got mad at one of my sister's friends and I called her some very ugly names. And uh, they were actually beyond ugly and laced with profanity. And that was bad, but what was even worse was that my mom overheard it. And uh, she dragged me into the bathroom and literally washed my mouth out with soap. I mean, that's what happened. And afterwards, she said she was sorry that she had to do that, but she hoped I learned my lesson. Isaiah 64, 6 says that we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Guys, the truth is this, that our sin has made us dirty, and no amount of soap is going to clean us up again that God sent his son Jesus to clean us up and to save us from ourselves and our sin, and that we owe a debt to God that we'll never ever be able to repay. But listen, Jesus took care of that for us. He did. And he took care of it, listen, not so we could live the rest of our lives in guilt and shame and fear, but he took care of that for us because he loves us and wants us to enjoy our lives. Listen, enjoy the grace of your Father. Enjoy it. It's amazing. Psalm 145, verse 8. I'll close with this verse. says, The Lord is merciful. The Lord's compassionate. He's slow to get angry. And He's filled with unfailing love. I want to be like that. We want to be like the Lord. But guys, we'll never get there. If we get sucked into every argument that our culture invites us into, you'll just get madder than a wet hen. I don't want to be like that. We have a choice. The path is clear. And the truth is we get to pick which path. That's what God says. We can choose the path of hatred or we can choose the path of healing. We can choose the path of bitterness or we can choose the path of forgiveness. God says you get to choose. But let's be clear. Every path that you and I walk down, it leads somewhere. So let's choose wisely, okay? Let's pray together as the band comes up. Father, the truth is there's everybody in this room, there's somebody that's hurt us, that's wounded us, that's angered us, and it's upset us. And Father, we want to pay them back. Uh, the, deep inside our flesh, we, d- we just want to treat them the way they treated us, but that's not how you've called us to live. God, we know that path will only lead to bitterness and destruction in our lives. And we don't want to be those kind of people. You've called us to be separate, to be set apart. And so with the help of your Holy Spirit, with your son Jesus, God, would you just turn us into new creatures, new people, so that even when people wrong us, that we can truly forgive, that we won't keep lighting the candle and burn with anger, but that we would remember how much you've forgiven us. And in turn dish out that forgiveness to other people. God, the only way we're going to do that is with your help and your strength, and we ask for it this morning. So I pray that if somebody's sitting here this morning and there's somebody they need to forgive, would you help them not to wait? That They would just do it today. They would leave here and just maybe get on the phone or send a text or maybe if that person's already gone just to, to write a letter and throw it away and just say, God, you take it. I can't handle it anymore. Would you release some people this morning, Jesus, from bitterness. And help us to choose to be like you and forgive. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.